1: Welcome to a, another edition of the Blue Crew Podcast, the New York Rangers podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network. It's an emergency episode. It's a panic episode, but not actually. But things are definitely not great right now for the New York Rangers. I'm joined, I'm Johnny Lazarus, joined by my co-host Cody Frankel. We got a great interview today with Arthur Staple, the New York Rangers reporter for the athletic. And we had a lot of good conversation with him. So we don't really want to talk too much. I'm going to hand it over to Cody to say what up.
0: What's up, everyone? Uh So this week, we've been asked for a long time to have a mailbag episode. So we are going to have a mailbag episode, and we're not going to get into our normal hoopla, and we're just going to go right into uh, listener questions. The only thing I want to say beforehand is massive week for baseball, the winter meetings. The Mets just signed Justin Verlander. Good for you guys. Lost out on DeGrom. Stevie Cohen said, I'm good. And the Yankees, on the other hand, Wait to see what Aaron Judge is gonna do. And then there's a lot of good players out there. So it's gonna be uh an exciting baseball week. But as you can tell from Johnny's face, he does not care. So let's get right into the listener questions. I don't give one
1: shit about baseball, especially not in December. So let's go right into the first question we got. We got ten one we got we got a lot of questions this week that we had to just narrow it down. We couldn't get to all of them because we talked to Arthur for like forty minutes. So <laughs> We yeah. just chose the best 10 that we could find, and we're going to start it off with James Steven, 37 straight up. Should we fire Gallant? Do you want to go first on this or should I?
0: Yeah. So we do touch on this in the, in the Arthur interview. So I, I don't think we need to go too in depth into this. Well, we, didn't,
1: we didn't give our opinions really. So
0: sh- sure. Um, listen, I, I think this guy is clearly a good coach. Um, But that being said, there comes a point in time where you need to start taking responsibility, and like you can blame the players, you can blame whatever. And he's doing a lot of you know the blame game, like oh it's not us, it's not me, it's you know it's it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And I think it's going to come to the point if the Rangers do keep trending down like this, like yeah, there's going to be no other excuse other than clearly he's doing something to not motivate the players as they should. Um, So for right now. I'm going to keep this at neutral and I'm going to say like, don't fire him. Um, but definitely don't extend him. Um, and we'll we'll just have to wait to see how these next, you know, 20 or so games play out.
1: So I don't think they should fire him. I, I just think like he should at least finish out the season. Like let's, you know, give it some time to turn around. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we're recording before the St. Louis Blues game tonight because I'm going to the game. We got a lot going on right now tonight. So we just wanted to, you know, get everything out there in the morning. But the Rangers have a pretty tough stretch coming up the next five games. So it's, you know, including the Blues game tonight, they got in Vegas on Wednesday, in Colorado Friday, back home against the Devils on Monday, and then home against the Leafs on Thursday, which we're going to. I think if the Rangers only win one out of the next five games, he's gone. I I think. The way that they've been playing, not only against their opponents on a regular night basis, but the weaker opponents like the Blackhawks and the Senators and, and all these games, they, the Ducks, they should be winning. That's where I'm a little alarmed. And and that's why I think I could see him getting fired, even though I don't think he should. But it's because of those bad losses to the bad teams where it's like, hey, these are games that we have to win. If he can't get that job done, someone else can. So I think if the Rangers go one and five or one and four in the next five games, He's gone. Um, and that's where I'll stand on it. I don't think it's going to happen because I do think they should win, you know, at least two out of the next five, but I really just don't know what kind of effort we're getting from this team any night. So that, that's where I stand. I don't, I don't want to you know, go too much deeper because it's all unknown. Um, any, any final thought before we go to the next one? That's it. Okay. Second question from M dot crank 10 time to move some assets to get a defenseman.
0: um another one we we do touch on a little bit with arthur um i mean i i i think yeah (laughs) i think they have to do something uh they've looked like lifeless out there the defense isn't playing outside of adam fox and if they are playing it's it's news to me Uh,
1: Lingren, i think's been playing pretty well okay
0: yeah yeah but Lingren, Lingren, as soon as he's out he's like the catalyst for this team and then they're lifeless without him so yeah okay outside of that top pair i i mean yeah they they need they need some type of defenseman to get in there another veteran to just help like set things up put put points into play and they got to do something so i i can't imagine they're gonna sit too idly by but yeah yeah i mean yeah i agree with you
1: i mean <laughs> we we spent a lot of time hyping up keandre miller last year and we all thought this would be his big leap, and he has not looked very good. I mean, he hasn't even scored a goal yet. He's got eight assists. He's minus four on the year.
0: He's. Having I, a I, throw, I think. Yeah.
1: I, I think if he's playing better, this isn't even a discussion. But I, because- I disagree.
0: I disagree. Really? I think, yeah, because I think Zach Jones isn't going to be the type of player that we wanted him to be. And like, yes, he's still very young, but I. It's it's abundantly clear they do not trust him as a third pair starting defenseman for this team. And I think no matter what, they need a veteran because that's who they feel comfortable with in that spot to go opposite Schneider. Um, and I, I don't think that's that opinion's going to change. So I think even if Keandre was a stud, like they would still be looking elsewhere right now. And I got news for you: he's a, he's basically a free. I mean, he's an RFA at the end of the year. So yeah. this is a huge year for him, right? This is this is going to determine if the guy's getting a contract starting with a five or a three. So. He knows he needs to pick it up, and I, I gotta hope that he will. So
1: well, I guess on that note, let's go to this one from you've been Bexed. Thoughts on Zach Jones being sent down. Does it really make that big of a difference? i I think it does. but I, I think it does simply because you have this battle of Jones Hayek, right? They haven't really had a solidified, you know, third pair left defenseman. And Jones kind of earns that spot at a training camp and he makes a couple mistakes here and there. And, and granted, they were pretty important mistakes. You know, the one that stands out the most was the first goal against against the yeah. Blue Jackets and that horrible 5-1 loss. Yeah. But that being said, you want the kid to gain confidence and learn from his mistakes if he's constantly being taken out of the lineup and, now, and then sent down to the minors. How the fuck is he going to find any confidence playing in the NHL? Like that's, you, you got to keep the kid in the lineup if you want him to learn and grow. Like you can't just keep Bouncing him in, bouncing him out. He's gonna think about every single pass, every single play he makes, you know, because he knows he's not safe. So I think that's where it makes a difference in his like personal confidence and development. Like okay. to the team, doesn't make that big of a difference, probably not. But for his own sake and and his development, and I'm not like speaking for him, but like, you know, it, I've been there where like you're worried about every play you make when you know you're not a you know solidified every night guy. So I I, I think it is a big deal for him personally, but I don't know, you know, if it is really for the team.
0: Yeah, you, you pretty much said it. Um, I, I think the argument can be very valid and had that Hayek has might has outplayed Jones. I don't think so. I don't think you can clearly say Jones is playing significantly better. I don't think you can say that. I just don't. I, I mean, I've been watching them, and I don't think you can go out there and just say, like, does Jones have sh- more upside? Sure. nobody ha- Nobody is questioning that, but I don't think you can go out there and say – There's that much of a difference between the two right now. And because of that, Jones is essentially expendable to Hartford because Hayek's either playing slightly worse, the same, or slightly better. So that's kind of where uh, my thoughts are there.
1: Yeah. Want to move on to the next one? Let's do it. I don't know if this is a joke or not. Eric Weinberger, five. When will Panarin get traded?
0: Eric, funny guy. Um, Yeah, non-starter. There's
1: people that want that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they I, hit me up in the DMs if you want that. Um, all right, next.
1: This one is kind of a piggyback off that. I, I wasn't going to include the one we put Aaron get traded, but this one kind of it, it leads into it. So looking back, was signing Artemi first name basis from Nicholas Branca? Signing mm-hmm. Artemi hurtful or helpful for the future of this team? We would have the money for Booch and more time on the ice for the young guys. It, very good question. Even, first of it, all, it's
0: a very part. good question. It's not even it's not even a question of or concern in, in that regards. Like completely helpful. I mean, this guy has this guy is one of the best players in the NHL. He is a massive, massive free agent that came to this team when he didn't need to, and be and not only that, they won stole him from the Islanders because that was the other favorite to get him, which is huge for us because we sure as shit wouldn't have wanted to play this guy for 7 years. Um and number 2, it, he he does so much for this team. He's a fun player. He's probably the most talented player on the team. Uh he's a superstar and not only that, but this team didn't have that much when they signed him and he allowed this t- like other free agents to want to come here, right? Other big players and big free agents that weren't here at the time like they're like, oh, our Artemi Panarin went there. Let's let's get on over there. Just similar to the Johnny Gaudreau signing that just happened. Now Columbus might follow suit with that, where some guys, if Johnny puts up a huge, huge season, like some guys are gonna be like, all right, they have Gaudreau, like they're trying to build something here. Like let's let's do that. So I think you know, sure, would we have had the money for Booch? Yeah, on ice time for the young guys. I mean, I think the young guys are getting enough ice time where they should be showing their worth here. And I don't think you can look at Panarin as, as fault for that outside of maybe the power play. But Panarin is a massive part of the power play. He pretty much sets up every single goal we have. So
1: I'm so happy you said that because I really thought you might have taken the other approach and I would have had a crazy argument with you.
0: Dude, he's but, my favorite athlete. Why would I ever have the other? No,
1: I, I don't know because like you, just people have different thoughts. I don't know. I, I, I didn't really know where you stood on this. But yeah, for anyone that is thinking like, Panarin's the problem, or Trey Panarin, or was it's it? Worth That's it?
0: insanity. That's insanity.
1: I just want to hit you with a stat, too, because, like, for people that aren't appreciating what this guy has done since he's been here, since 2018 19, here's the leader in points in the NHL, like, with those years combined from 2018, 2019 up until now. McDavid won McDa- Dre- 488, Dry with right two on. with 451, yeah. Nathan McKinnon in third with 378. Patrick Kane in 4th with 372. Panarin Fifth, right. Temmy Panarin 5th yeah. with 364 points, 105 goals, 259 assists and 291 games plus 76. Like this guy has been a top 5 player in the world since he's been on the Rangers. Like these like everyone thinks like you know why why give him the money? He's in the category with Nathan McKinnon, Leon Draisaitl, Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane. Like he is a superstar and and there's different levels of players there's superstars and there's elite talent then there's just good NHL players and Artemi Panarin is in the top tier and if you disagree with that like i if, i don't know what to tell you if you, you like, want to put that, things into
0: perspective johnny and this is what i'm going to say like i couldn't I, I can't agree with you more right now mm-hmm. i can't agree with you more and if you want to put things into perspective artemi panarin makes the same amount of dollars as seth jones who would you rather have on your team yeah that's I'm gonna, crazy i'm going to leave it at that I'm going to yeah. leave it at that. That's wild.
1: But yeah, like, I, this is just, you know, emotional Ranger fans. I think, you know, being typical, wh- whatever you want to call it. But Panarin has been nothing but incredible since he's been a New York Ranger. So, like, anyone who disagrees, I, I just, even in the playoffs last year, I know there was a lot of narrative about him, like, not being great. 16 points, 20 games. Sure. He wasn't great. Whatever you want to call it. I, I disagree completely. Um, let's go to the next one. Maddie Mick underscore fly the chosen one. What's something that can be assessed as a small victory, or positive in this tumultuous stretch? I, is the double positive sign? I don't, I don't know. Is that something?
0: Um, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just assuming it means positive. I'm plead the fifth on that one. But uh, what's well, something that can be assessed as a small victory? I mean, I guess you can say that Panarin, Mika, and Fox are are playing great like for the most part um they're they're the only three players on an nhl team that has over 27 points i i I don't i mean i don't i don't have many positives for this team right now i don't think Mm -hmm. there's they they just look lifeless and and they look like they're kind of giving up on on every single uh every single stretch they they have in that third period and and no lead is safe right now Um, that being said the positive is you know how much talent these guys have so I think it's a matter of when not if they will start to click Um, so yeah I mean Johnny I didn't know if you had anything to add to that but
1: I'll say the only positive from this year and last year is that for the most part I think the Rangers still are outplaying their opponents like scoring chances wise and stuff like that you know I, I don't think they're necessarily being as dominated as they were last year like relying on Igor to bail them out. Um, you know, I think this year they're just not playing consistently enough, if that makes sense. But I don't think they're like, you know, last year when we played Colorado. They couldn't even keep up, you know, like I-, I thought the Rangers weren't at that level where like this year, they're still playing, you know, relatively strong when you look at the game. Like, obviously there's like those 10, 15 minute spans where they're fucking terrible, terrible, and the game, <laughs> and the game, and the game falls apart. But like, you know, statistically speaking, the Rangers are like out shooting their opponents most nights, you know, like they're not they're not playing good, obviously, but they're not playing where they were playing last year. I thought like last year, literally at a five on five, like, you know, their power play was so much better last year. But at the five on five level last year, they were for the most part playing the same as they are this year, but they were being outshot a little bit more than they are this year. So, like, I'll take that as a positive. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: Uh, Sharon a nine Oh four. Do you think more is going on with the team behind the scenes?
0: Um, do you want to take this one or you want me to get into it?
1: So I, I did kind of talk about it a little bit with Arthur, but I won't say the same stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Reeves asking for a trade is a little telling. Maybe some, maybe something's yeah. going on. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously he's getting scratched. So he wants, you know, playing time. He said he's playing for a contract. He, he has to play if he wants to get paid. So like, you know, that is truthful stuff that he's talking about. But at the same time, it kind of makes you think, you know, like Ryan Reeves is like the heart of the team. Everyone loves him. He loves being in New York. Is there something going on where he's asking out, you know, like why, why is he asking out? Could he have not earned a spot later on in the season? Like maybe there are one-on-one meetings where guys have certain ceilings and, you know, the coaching staff feels a certain way about certain players. And, you know, now everyone has to just buy into what their role is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't know. Um, and maybe I'm just creating a scenario as well. Like I'm just kind of taking this question and trying to think of anything that could be going on. I don't think it's nothing, but I don't think it's like something crazy. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. Um, and I think, I mean, I think there, yeah, I think there's gotta be a little something like, I'm sure players are getting frustrated. I'm sure, uh, they don't like where, you know, the, the blame of this is, is this stretch is going and them continuously saying, we just got to grind it out and we know how good we are and we got to do better and stuff like that. That gets old real quick. Um, and they are in New York city, which is the highest profile market in the world. So, you know, fans don't like that answer, right? I don't like that answer. I'm sure you don't like that answer, Johnny. So it, it's going to get old real quick. And, and when things like this happen, tension does start to boil. You know, the saying like what's uh what what's that fire saying? Like where, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So like mm-hmm. as there's obviously something going on and, and sooner or later it's gonna ignite the flame. Um, whether that's igniting the flame and setting this team on fire to start going on a tear and, and getting wins and, and getting back to they where they were, or you know, whether that's that's lighting the flame and uh shit going down the shitter, right? So I, I guess we'll find <laughs> out, but
1: shit going down the shitter
0: I like that, that one yeah it was good um
1: yeah i i think oh, i don't know man we're we're just so ridiculous as fans sometimes like yeah it's not right, like yeah. It seemed, you know we haven't we lost 10 in a row like it's i know, you know
0: i know it, it feels like it though i mean like yeah. you know they haven't played this lifeless in a very long time yeah. and it's it's demoralizing for fans i mean nobody it's – we I, we've said in the group chat, they have been unwatchable these last five, six games. Like, yeah. winning to the Oilers 3-0, you think they're finally going to turn around and giving up four goals in the third? That's shit that you make up out of, like, you know, a fairy tale storybook. Like, uh, you, you can't let that stuff happen. Um, and, I mean, Igor's got to play better, right? Igor's yeah. got to play better. And don't even get me started on Halak. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that dude has he, – he's – He's not going to be here for long. I'll tell. I'll tell you that. But
1: the not doing much better down in Hartford.
0: Yeah, they're 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 in trouble. Um. <laughs> all right, keep going.
1: Okay, this is the last one from Dakota Stability, a new question asker. What do you think is the one missing piece that isn't allowing the team to find a spark?
0: Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> it's a tough question. It's a good question, and it's a fair question, right? I, I think the the one thing that's missing is we expected one of Lafreniere or Kako to be a superstar or a very good player producing points right now. We hoped one of them had, I don't know, over 20 points by now, like like 20 points in 27 games. I think that's a pretty fair ask mm-hmm. um, for somebody who was picked first or second overall in, in their third and fourth year. Uh, right now, neither of them has over like 12 points or even maybe even 10 points. I don't even know what it is at this point, but – it's very frustrating and I think that's that's the missing piece right there. We need more from that third line and we need one of those two guys to really just just take off and uh take some pressure off of our top players in the Panarins and the Mika and you know the Criders and the Foxes, right? So like we we definitely need uh we need a little more from them and, and another guy I look to is Vinny Trochak. He was he was on a tear to start the season, he was playing really well. I think he might have had like 14 points in 17 games or something like that. And now in his last 10 games, he has like three points. He's He's been pretty much a non-factor. Um, so they got to find a way to get him going as well because he just brings everybody else up. And we did pass on Stroman Cott for this guy. So we need him to be, uh, you know, the, the player we just gave that big contract to.
1: So on top of what you said, because, you know, everything you said is right. I'm just going to say, Going to last year, there was a lot of harp around the Rangers, like showing grit, because the whole narrative was Tom Wilson broke the Rangers. And they wanted to prove to the league that they're, you know, not just going to sit around and get bullied by every team in the NHL. And last year, in every game, like, you know, if, if someone touched Igor Shesterkin, like they were getting punched in the head. Like, you know, the Rangers were defending themselves and defending their teammates. Where this year, the only one that seems to be doing that right now is, you know, on a consistent level is Ryan Langgren. And we saw Truba try to light that spark last game against Chicago. So, they're not really standing up for themselves and it's, it's not a cohesive unit that it was last year, I think. And that's for whatever reason, I don't know why that became a thing because this team was as close as any team in the NHL, I think last year. And anyone would argue that like, you know, when you watched all the, you know, behind the scenes footage, they were just like having a good time, joking around, like everyone getting along. And you know, that, that is a big deal. And like what happens on the ice is all that off ice camaraderie. And if that's not happening, it's not going to translate on the ice. So like, I don't know if it's like a, a player that needs to come in and save the team, but it's just an overall vibe around the room that has to be on the same page, you know, and it doesn't seem like yeah. everyone is like I, I fucking love what trooper did against Chicago the other night. Like that needed to happen. He did that all year last year. It seemed like, and, and the players responded. So, yeah. you know, like I said, a million times we're recording this before the blues game and I'm going to the game tonight and I'm expecting them to have the biggest fire in their ass they've had all season, because if they don't a lot of bad things are going to happen. So, I think it's really just the mindset of like, hey, we can't get pushed around. Like, I know we're a young team, but like, you know, we were in the conference final last year. We have to fucking act like it. So yep. I think that's really what's missing. I don't think it's like, you know, that veteran defenseman coming in and like, you know, getting 10 minutes a night that's going to help or whatever. <laughs> it's, you know, or, or, you know, obviously getting a Tarasenko or a top six goal scorer would be huge. But yeah, it's, it's hard for me to believe. Like, obviously, if a Toronto cop and Strom and, and mod and Braun were like big pieces, but it's really hard for me to believe that they were like everything that got this team over that hump to get to the conference final. You know, like there's a lot yeah. more in the group that we're seeing. And I think whatever frustrations going on, like once one fucking thing turns positive, it's going to be a ripple effect through the lineup. And I think it's just going to spread. And, and like, like I think everyone knows this team is capable of going on a 10 game winning streak at some point this
0: season. Like, yeah, I mean, you know? yeah. But they're also showing
1: they're capable of going on a 10-game losing streak. So, like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know which team is going to show up every night, and that's the issue. Like, they have to find their identity again because I think they've lost it. And I think that's the biggest issue right now is they don't know who they are, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um Do you have any final thoughts before we send it over to Arthur Stable because we had a really good conversation with him?
0: Um, I think my only final thoughts is, like, we just got to hang in there. Uh it, It's becoming the point where this team is unwatchable, and I, I just – can't like fathom that they won't make some drastic changes soon and really try and shake things up, like switch the lines and and just do something to get them going. I mean, you saw Truba got fired up uh, the other day. So I I think we just need to hang in there. And it's like, I don't think we can get lower as I knock on wood. Um, So hopefully we can only go out from here and, and, you know, let's, let's uh, let's get this thing going.
1: All right. We're going to send it over to Rather Sable. This week, we are very happy to have on a recurring guest of the show and desperate times call for desperate measures. The last time he appeared on the show was after game four of round one against the Penguins. (laughs) Some say that Arthur Staple might have saved the Rangers season last year, and we're hoping he can do that again on our show. So welcome to the podcast, the host of the Garden Faithful, the New York Rangers reporter for The Athletic, our friend, Arthur Staple. Arthur, what's going on?
2: If it's in save season-saving desperation mode, I didn't think I'd be back quite so fast, but it is <laughs> awesome be here.
1: Well, do you remember that? I was going to ask if you remember the last time you came on. I do. We were talking in- about Cop versus Petrano, Strom, mm-hmm. all that mamba-jamba, whatever you want to call it, and right. then all of a sudden the Rangers win three straight.
2: We were ready for the off season by then. We were doing the uh-huh. whole post-mortem <laughs> before it happened. Exactly. Literally. Arthur
0: is the ace up our sleeve, that's for sure. Yeah. So hopefully uh, – Hopefully, good things to come, and I will I mean, go ahead and get this kicked off. <laughs> because, I want to kick it off. All right, go Johnny. I know. I know how. You show up late. You want to kick it off? I'm kicking absolutely. It off. You don't know <laughs> what I had to go through. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get right into the nitty gritty though. Are we kind? And this is like a fan's perspective. Are mm. the fans somewhat guilty of being blinded by the results of last season to maybe thinking the fact that they could have been frauds last year and this isn't a good team overall? Or is it just a team that can't find a way to win hockey
2: games right now? I mean, if, if you feel like you and the fans are frauds, then the Rangers owner is a fraud and the Rangers general <laughs> manager is a fraud and the Rangers coaching staff are frauds. And a lot of the guys on the team are frauds because they believe it too. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's puzzling it. Yes. I, I think we can stipulate right now um, without too much armchair quarterbacking that it was a very lucky season last year. They were very good but not many teams can survive the sort of data onslaught that, you know, lopsidedness of, of the first two months of their season last year and come out of it, not just with a decent record, but with an excellent record. You know, you think about where they were after whatever, 24, 25 games last year, they were already 16 and four, 16 and five, 17 and five. Like that's, that's a 98% chance to make the playoffs right there. So we weren't even into the conversation of, is this team good enough because they just Igor hit the ground running they were scoring enough goals um, to overcome the the lopsidedness of the mm-hmm. shots and chances against, and there wasn't a whole lot of time to process it all. So um, I kind of feel like maybe the evaluation part of last season kept getting pushed back and pushed back because they were good mm-hmm. and they were mm-hmm. able to add at the deadline after they had a little bit of a lull, they got good again. They got very lucky in the playoffs and also were successful at times and then you know, came within a couple games of making a final. So yeah. um, you push off that evaluation part to the point where everybody's already believing that they can do it again, because you have a goalie who's just one of Vesna, who's in his prime. You have a number one defenseman who's just entering his prime and entering a huge contract. And Adam Fox, you have a top six that can stand up with just about any top six in the league, even ones, you know, Edmonton, Colorado, in terms of talent, uh, and then you have some spaces to fill in in the offseason with limited cap space, but that's everybody. So you're really looking at a team that should be good. And really, for the first 16 or 17 games of this year, you look at the numbers and you say, this is a team that's pretty good. They started to they, they fixed a lot of their defensive issues with uh, a lot of their, you know, they're basically their full top six being a year older, subtracting uh, a real black hole data wise in Patrick Nemeth for. Even Zach Jones, Lieber Hayek <laughs> has been better than that. Mm-hmm. And up front they're they're a deeper team up front. Um, yeah. You've got the younger guys that have more experience. You've got the older guys that are still pretty fresh. And then you've got a much. we're like, we're seeing it now a much better fourth line than they had at all last year. Uh, and then you have Igor. So what could be wrong? Well, um, the luck is now in exactly in the opposite direction. And maybe not right now, but up until maybe that 17 game mark where they hadn't really gotten a lot of traction there, you know, they, they're dominating the, the shots and the chances battle. Um, but shooting percentage was terrible, and they just weren't getting a save when they needed it. And that, I think, you get worried about that in the back of your mind because you say, if we don't turn it around and start to get results, then guys are going to start cheating. Then we're going to see the bad metrics come back, and our yeah. goalies are going to lose confidence. And now I think maybe a little bit quicker than I thought it was going to happen, but here we are, where we're talking about after a third of the season. Is the coach going to be coaching into 2023? Yeah. Are there right. are they going to tra- trade a core piece of this team to not just to shake it up, but to just try to change direction a little bit? It's uh, it's amazing how quick it can happen. And I don't, you know, I don't want, necessarily think any of the people that said these this team was due for a big regression probably tap dancing a little bit because they said regressed that. big time. <laughs> they regressed. <laughs> they've regressed from the, from way in the black to way in the red. So they, maybe they're due for a a course correction if they change nothing else, but also it's, it's um, it went from genuinely surprising to now it feels like a mess. You know, it it really feels like we're into, they got our strings and wins together things are going to change.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I want to jump in right there because you, you made some really good points and it's obviously been a very first rough, you know, rough and and first i don't know 20 what are they 26 games 27 games now so it's probably the lowest point for this rangers team and and these rangers fans since maybe even the announcement of the rebuild maybe earlier but i think you said it this team is just too resilient to fold over like this so from your perspective you mentioned a little bit about what gives but what do you think needs to change in order to right the ship here
2: you know <sighs> the group of media we there's always lots of questions about changes is someone going to get benched Mm -hmm. do you you need to send a message you know i feel like jacob truba sent a message to his teammates the other night not just with the hits and the fights but really the throwing the helmet and yelling at his own bench you don't see that in the nhl these days and i think that was a pretty demonstrative thing and that's the sort of thing that can wake guys up because it's not coming from the coaches it's coming from a guy that you have essentially elected your captain your leader um you know, and I think there are definitely some guys, and as I think it was, you know, Gerard Gallant said it this morning, if it was one or two guys, you could sit one of them out or you could make a change You could, or you could bench somebody in the third period. But it's it's more than that. I think you're looking at a team with, you know, you've got Mika Zibanejad, you've got Chris Kreider. They're doing what they normally do. I think if you're looking for positives, Jimmy Vesey's mm. probably been a positive just because he came from nowhere and he's getting paid the league minimum and he's he's – Providing some support, whether he belongs on the first line long term is a different conversation. But for now, I think he's doing what you need him to do. But once you get beyond that, you've got a few question marks. You've got people like Artemi Panarin, who's still having by the numbers a very good season and still trying to do a lot, maybe trying to do too much. You've got Vincent Trocek, who hasn't really found his, his spot yet. He's contributed. You know, he's made some contributions on the power play. He's a good face off guy. But again, I think you've got a guy who who looks for emotion from within as opposed to a guy who's trying to bring a lot of people together mm. uh, who plays with fire, but also maybe can teeter over into trying to do too much category. Uh, and then you've got the kids. You know, Philip Heedle has, has had a really good year, I think. Um, now that he's out again with a second injury, you start to wonder if he can stay healthy, and that's that's a concern. And then you've got Capo Caco, who um, – I don't know what the word in Finnish for bad luck is, but he's got it <laughs> tattooed on his forehead this year so far. I, never, I don't think I've ever seen a guy with this many grade A scoring chances in yeah. a five-foot radius around the net who just can't finish. It's, it's unbelievable, and it's got to be in his head. And All then right. I think I think as far as when you're talking about up front, you know, Alexi Lafreniere was a guy who came out the first shift of the playoffs where you say, like, you know, he had a 19-goal season, a really good year was obviously pushing for more time last season and maybe not so thrilled with still being a third-liner at the end of his second full season. And he comes out that first shift of game one against the Penguins, and he almost sends John Marino into the blue seats with uh, just missed him completely, and the boards just rattled. And I think that was like, oh, this guy is taking his game to a new level. And he certainly did all the way through the playoffs. And I think outside of a couple of games so far this year, you haven't seen that guy yet from him. And that, I think, is... And that I think is a big problem for them because he's, you know, he's got a lot, uh, a lot of pressure on him as a, as a number one overall pick. And obviously with Jack Hughes and the devils taking off the way they have, I think that conversation or rather not Jack Hughes, but just, uh, just some, you know, the, the number one pick uh, comparison in the area. And then, you know, they played Ottawa in the last, last week. And Tim Stutzla sitting there, a guy who was picked a couple picks later, already has the eight times eight extension, Gets right. top six minutes, gets power play minutes. He plays on a terrible team, but mm-hmm. he is a guy that's drawing the attention that Alexi Lafreniere, I'm sure, would like to be drawing. But he just he's blocked on the left side. He's blocked on power play one. Um, so maybe it's starting to affect him a little bit. And I wonder, uh, it's a far fetched thought to me, but if there was a change to be made that wasn't coaching change or a minor change, I wonder if Chris Drury is thinking maybe that's the spot that we make a huge change in a real sea change in the middle of the season to trade a guy who's coming up on restricted free agency, who's probably going to want a big contract regardless of how he's performed. Um, And that would be a a real eye opener to, to the, to his teammates. So that, you know, when we talk about change, that's the name that kind of rings in the back of my head as um, a guy who unfortunately for him is probably expendable in this lineup too, that they need to, they don't necessarily need more goals and assists from that third line spot. They need more consistency from that third yeah. line spot. And um, he's not a third liner. You know, I think we yeah. all know that. But on another, and on another team, he's going to flourish, which is probably the reason that you don't maybe 90% won't see that kind of move. But, right. but I think that's the guy that you want to see prove that he can be a self-motivator prove that he can block out the noise prove that he cannot worry about whether it's 12 minutes a night or 14 or 18 or seeing what other guys from his draft class are getting and play like he did in the playoffs and uh and i think that might bring that group up as a whole because he's sort of representative of that that group of young guys even though he's the youngest among them that uh that if you saw some fire from him, that that might go a long way to, towards changing things without having to make too many big changes.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I do actually want to expand on that a little further because we've been asked this a lot. And I definitely wanted to, you know, touch on it. And I did have a question about it, right? So you you mentioned all of our young stars, and right now, you know, Lafreniere, Kako, and Heatle are all projected to finish this season under 35 points. You know, and everybody consistently says the kids will be all right. The kids will be all right. They're super young. And it's got to be incredibly frustrating for all of us Rangers fans. Do you think they still do have the potential on the Rangers to be superstars? And if not, is it maybe time to start rethinking their outlook that they might just turn into, you know, really good NHL players or good NHL players? And we have to stop thinking that one of them or, or two of them will be the next Nathan McKinnon type of player.
1: I'll never stop thinking it. Just to be clear,
0: before you start, I know. I know. <laughs> I
2: mean, I, like I was saying about Lafreniere, I, he has the potential to still be a star in the league, and he could certainly be a star in the Rangers. I just don't know how it would work. He'd have to be yeah. put in that spot on the top line alongside Zibanejad and Kreider. They'd have to find a way to get him power play one time. You know, it, it's it's a it's a real impossible situation for for Chris Jury and Gerard Gallant because if you decide that you got to take somebody off. Are you taking Vincent Trocheck off? Then you got to realign kind of that bumper spot. Uh, you know, you're not taking Chris Kreider out of the net front, which is a spot that no. Lafreniere probably would be pretty good at. You're not right. putting him in Zibanejad or Panarin's spot. It, it's um, it, you talk yourself out of it really fast. You know, when yeah. you start with the premise of we got to get this guy more time. All right, how? And I, I don't know what the answer is. I, you know, maybe I would think it's top six, five on five time, but that's still not enough to get you, you mm-hmm. know, 50 points in a season. It just isn't yeah. in the NHL anymore. And certainly not on this team. You know, when you look at the numbers. So um, I still think he has the potential. And I wonder if Chris jury, just getting back to my original point, which I'm not trying to push the narrative of like, this guy's getting moved, but if yeah. you are going to move, if you are going to move any one of them, the biggest return is going to come from him. And yeah, I wonder course. if yeah. you can fill a, a different sort of need. Now, with the other two guys, you know, Philip Heedle, the way that he played for that, you know, seven or eight game stretch in the playoffs, right. um, that, was, that was the kind of guy, you know, that you saw. And I remember when he was having that run, I talked to Michael Grabner, who, uh, who had told me that uh, that He'll beat him in the conditioning laps mm-hmm. uh, in Heedle's first year, that this was a kid that was like, people were like, who is this kid? Like, he's got incredible speed. He's a huge guy great shot and uh, you know I think it just it just takes a long time my my podcast co-host that Stephen Balaket guy always says 200 <laughs> games that's his that's his marker 200 games for a goalie pro games 200 games for a defenseman preferably most of them in the AHL and 200 right. games for a forward until you figure out what you got mm-hmm. and he's he's a little beyond that now and the injuries I think are killing him a little bit but I think he's a guy who has taken his responsibility his role as like I'm the third line center. it's not going to change. I know he was the second line center for a little bit but he's a guy who's gonna get 14 or 15 minutes a night Max he's got to do as much as he can with them no matter who's on his wings and the rest will sort itself out and I think that mindset has really sunk in for him. It's just a matter of staying healthy with Kako, you know I think if Kako is a is a 25 goal guy in the NHL every year that's probably his ceiling for me but he's such a smart, aware 200 foot player that I think he can have a very long successful career. You know, he's not, he's not going to be Patrick line. But if he's, I don't know, I mean, if he's a poor man's Daniel Alfredson for 15 years, like (laughs) you take that, you know, or, or poor man's, you know, a winger version of an Anze Kopitar where the guy he put out in any position, you know, in all three situations, the problem for the Rangers is, can you get there? And I don't know if ownership and, front office have the patience to get there and you certainly don't have the flexibility with the star players and they're no move clauses, you know, you're not going to dump uh, a guy who doesn't want to leave. So you can't even do it with whether it's a Panarin or whoever. Um, so you got to start thinking about, I think the, the, and it certainly isn't just happening now because the team isn't good. I'm sure Chris jury has been thinking about it since the first day he got the job of, of these three guys who we all like a lot and would love to be homegrown superstars in this league. And right. take us to a different level which one's the most expendable for us and I you know I would think that the guy that I've been writing a lot is the most likely to get traded is probably Kako mm-hmm. uh, just because of where he is bridge deal he's still pretty affordable for another team. Uh, he hasn't broken out yet so he wouldn't be super expensive for anybody else uh, and probably the right side is where you want to have a big you know a big jump in, a, in skill level and improvement you, you're willing to let him you go have to so sell low on it. him though right? You're Obviously. selling. I, I feel like everybody, you know, you look at Brock Besser in Vancouver word gets out that they're looking to move him. You're selling low on everybody. Nobody has cap space.
0: Yeah.
2: Assets are hard to come by. You're not making a real hockey trade unless it's you've been working on it for weeks and weeks. Um, so yeah, selling low is, or selling high. You're like, I mean, you, I guess you could sell high on Philip Hedel, but he's a restricted free agent. So you're still limited on what you're going to get. And also right. then you'll have a, you have a giant hole at the at three C. So, um, you know a, a couple of these problems are self-inflicted by Drury you know signing maybe guys that if you thought about it uh, last off season and said let's extend Philip Hedel this summer and and tell, tell me Panarin this is your number 2 center for the entire time you're here and then you go out and get a 3C who's like more of like a JG Pajo type who you know is a 3C so the veteran is the guy that's the one that's knows his ceiling and the and the 2C is the guy that's the guy that you know has the the potential to break out because he's younger and, and a guy that you you drafted yourself, but that's, you know, that horse has left the barn already. So, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how they handle it. Like I said, that the timeline I would have thought would have been the off season, but now with the way things are going, maybe it's moved up to the middle of the season. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Heedle's the guy of the three that has the best chance to succeed on this team. Um, but I'd probably uh, you know, it'd be great to keep all three, you know, it, it's funny. I just want to throw in. I see a lot of things on Twitter that you have to ignore because it's Twitter, but <laughs> kind, of, kind of pushing this narrative of like, I'd rather be the devils now because they're final Johnny. Forever. That's literally I, Johnny's. No, 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 no.
1: I, <laughs> I, I do enjoy watching the devils, but they're I, great.
2: I they're great to watch the, yeah. the amount of Johnny gets so much crap the, for tweeting the amount, about about well, the, devils. the amount of crap that they have gone through as an organization and could go right back to, you know, they're, they're essentially, they play, they're a great team. They play really fast credit to Lindy Ruff to kind of get past all of that nonsense with, with the fans and everything and yeah. stick to his guns with what they wanted to do, but it took them so long to get there. And you can see by what the Rangers did last year, all you need, like if tech Vanajek pulls his groin next week. Yeah. They're done. They're done. Right. So it, it's all very <laughs> fragile. And I, and I feel like, uh, uh, the, Rangers, <laughs> the, the Rangers, all right, go ahead. The Rangers. just. No, just
0: I like couldn't hold to hold it. You know, he wants to say something I so bad, Arthur. I couldn't hold it. I was just
1: going to say, Arthur, you're going to have Devils fans saying now, oh, if Vanacek goes down, Akira Schmid has a better goal saved above expected than just So they'll be fine.
2: Like People right. just look at
1: numbers and they think I mean, the,
2: the, they might know. be a team like Colorado where they just, they play so well. It doesn't matter who's in that, but also, uh, and believe me, I hear it from some Devils fans already who are upset that we don't really cover them as much as we'd like to, but, that's not my, it's above my pay grade. So, Um, but yeah, I I, I just using them as an example of a team that's, that's been bad for a long, you know, for a decade, basically with one decent year in there thrown in. Um, And I don't know why you'd want that. I think the Rangers are still Mm -hmm. in a better position Mm -hmm. for the long haul because they have the mix of good players who are not necessarily fully past their prime. They've got the young guys and they've got the goalie that, you know, at some point is going to turn it around. It may not be This season, which is horrible to think of, but he's not going to be terrible forever, and he certainly hasn't even been terrible this year. There's just been a couple, a few decisions that have been made around personnel-wise, and and not stopping enough pucks when you need him to.
1: Yeah, and just a last thing to harp on on the kid stuff because you know I don't want to you know dive too deep into it, but is there somewhat of a concern too that Lafreniere like asks for a trade because? You know, you see it last week or two weeks ago with Ryan Reeves. He asked out because he's not getting the opportunity he he feels he deserves. Maybe that encourages Lafreniere to, like, speak up and say something. And you see Reeves now having three assists in five games at the Wild after having zero points in 12 with the Rangers. Like, you know, there, there's no guarantee that Lafreniere even wants to sign here again. Like, that's, that's where I'm concerned now because, you know, from the player's perspective, I've been at a place where I knew the coach's opinion of me. I knew that wasn't changing. And it's not like there were guys ahead of me that were going anywhere. So I wanted out like, I, you know, obviously it's my experience in college versus his in the NHL. It's different. But, you know, to that player's perspective, it's kind of the same thing.
2: Yeah, there's definitely that that possibility. I don't know if he has a lot of leverage in that situation to, to say I want out. He's not he's not on the outs. He's not a healthy yeah. scratch like Ryan Reeves mm-hmm. was, but. But uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, there's definitely a possibility that Chris Drury could try to get ahead of any you know any problems like that in the off season. And to be perfectly honest, you know, if the coaching staff thinks of him one way right now and they continue down this path, he's going to have a new coaching staff to evaluate him either, by mm-hmm. the, you know, before the yeah. end of the season or heading into next season. So you might not want to make that kind of declaration before you know the way that the the rest of the the coaching staff situation is going to shake out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense. And I mean, we are talking about the coaching staff a, a little bit here. So to go into that a little further, I mean, how hot could Galan really get if the Rangers keep this up? Um, do you think they could make a mid season, you know, switch if, if they keep trending downwards or w- would it be something that would, you know, try and keep things uh, cordial and, and uh, figure it out in the off season?
2: I mean, when you have an owner like James Dolan, who doesn't meddle a lot with the Rangers, but clearly made a huge move wiping out the previous front office and put and hiring Chris Drury, and you know he's the lone guy in charge right now, mm-hmm. and then they turn around and have the season that they had, I think when you get the expectations in, they don't just come, like I said, from the fans. Uh, they're coming from the owner's suite, and right. now that they've – really bumbled around for a third of the season. You, you do say like this guy's only had what 108 games behind the Rangers bench. How could you possibly know? But I don't, <clears throat> I don't think there's there's a lot of logic that enters into it. I think there's, there's impatience at wanting to make sure that this team stays at this level because we're talking all about, can they afford to keep this guy? Will will this young guy ask for a trade? Could you possibly move any of your older guys who make, you know, mid eight figures with no move clauses this stuff turns around fast where you're suddenly saying like uh, oh yeah now we have to just sell you know sell things off and i I just don't the the letter and the rebuild are so recent i think in the owner's mind that um i i can't see how chris jury would be immune from from any criticism from above if he just says we'll we'll wait you know james dolan heard let's be patient and we'll wait for four years And he got tired of it. And then they were good. So I think that sort of perspective tells you they're not going to want to wait too long through this. And yeah, you know, Gerard Gallant, uh, I think I've written it a couple of times. He wasn't Chris Drury's first choice. He certainly was a preferred choice of, you know, his top choice of coaches that weren't employed when Drury got the job. But that may play into it too. He doesn't have, you know, he didn't get a five year contract or anything like that. He's not one of these guys that that came in, you know, with a, with a huge um, resume like a Paul Maurice into Florida or Barry Trotz to the island. Um, so these are, uh, these are considerations. And mentioning Barry Trotz, he is out there. He is available. And that's, you know, I've mentioned his name a couple times. He's a guy who's probably just about ready to get back into coaching now after having whatever it is, six months off. Um, and I don't think he'd be very shy about coming to coach the rivals of the team that just fired him, he might actually right. like it. So mm-hmm. there are options out there too for, for Chris Drury. So, um, you know, maybe if we were in a situation where every good coach, every top 10 all time wins coach was locked up, maybe you'd say, all right, we'll punt it to the off season and we'll see what shakes out. But when there's a guy that's available that might work, you know, that's worked in a lot of different places with a lot of different kind of teams, and also you know is going to be very much in demand when the offseason comes when teams start reevaluating things you also might need to make a move to get ahead of to get to the head of the line with with Barry Trotz or or whoever else that you might want that's out there
0: hopefully this can be a heck of a story and the rangers just turn it around we win the cup gg gets coach of the year and we could all laugh <laughs> about this
1: well i mean you so kind we- of think about it though like you know we're, we're recording before the blues game tonight this will be out in the morning but you think about the same trajectory that the Blues had, you know, the last decade. The only example, kinda... right?
0: It's like the perfect example and yeah. like the one that everybody thinks about. And and the sad part is, you know, we talk about that, right? The Rangers have been playing really bad, but they're still like 12, 10, and, you know, six. The Blue says the the Blues Blues it right
1: place. there on the bottom of the yeah, screen. Oh, does it? I
0: wasn't even looking. See, that, <laughs> there you go. See, um, but yeah, so all right. They're 11, 10, and five. And I mean, at the time, the Blues were in last place. The Rangers are still you know they're definitely trending downward but they're still only like a point out of play a playoff spot right now so it's it's just so funny how we all compare it with the blue season because of how bad they've been playing
2: yeah yeah it's you know you want to believe that they can they can kick it back in a year and the blues didn't even really do it until january so right um right uh, i'd be curious to see if the rangers can even even falling to whatever you know 10th or 11th in the in the conference can you can you Stop the slide and turn it around. It's it's really difficult to. Well, I think it what it is, seventy seven percent of the teams uh, since the since the last lockout that are in the playoff spot by December first stay in a playoff spot. So, you're looking at maybe one or two teams a year in each conference. So uh, it's uh, it, it's tough. It's tough, and you kind of you got to be able to block that stuff out and be able to say we're a good team and we know we can be good. And and if Igor goes on a serious run that there suddenly can be back in the conversation. And I think a lot of people are waiting for that too.
0: Yeah.
1: So can we clear one thing up while we're still like kind of on Gerard Gallant a little bit, everyone on Rangers Twitter. And honestly, like in the hockey world loves to harp on the fact that Gerard Gallant's not an ex is no coach. He's a player's coach and the guys like playing for him. Cause he lets them do their thing. You know, Panarin gets to do stupid shit. At the blue line, that famous <laughs> quote last year in the playoffs, at what point do you have to blame the players? Because not every coach is X's and O's, and it's you know, Arthur. I don't want to take words out of your mouth. We were talking a little bit before. Like these are grown men. You know, they don't need someone to come in and give them a kick in the ass where they want to compete. Like I think at a certain point of the season, it's not like oh, there's going to be a coach that comes in and saves us. It's more on, it's more so on the players. So when do we start putting the blame on the guys? Everyone right now, Truba's been the whipping boy, which is kind of ridiculous. I know he's not, you know, having a great year, but it's got to be. A- annoying i think you know for uh
2: reporters to be seeing this kind of stuff i mean I, i've been around a long time and i think the you know the mo- one of the more popular misconceptions i think among fans is that pro coaches operate the same way that your you you know your kids little league coach operates where <laughs> co- coaching is almost all motivation and very little anything else and it's couldn't be more the opposite for pro pro guys and that's you know, I think in the NFL, it's a little different, but really, you know, Gerard Galan is the type of guy that players like to have because he treats them like adults. Even the guys that are teenagers he says you're in the NHL. Now, you know, I'm not going to babysit you. I'm not going to micromanage you. You show up to work, you come to work prepared. We show you some video. We talk a little bit, we get to know each other and the motivation part and the emotion part is up to you. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no Newt Rockney speech between periods you know it's one of my favorite questions about um after a game where a team's down by a couple goals and then they come back and win. it's like oh what did the coach say the <laughs> yeah mission? it's like nothing like you can watch the little video on msg network galant's in the room for the same 45 seconds mm-hmm. and he <laughs> leaves like these are these are grown men getting paid big sums of money and if the motivation isn't there from within and if the fire doesn't come from within you end up with a situation like they had on on uh, Saturday night where Jacob true was throwing his helmet and yelling at his teammates to wake the F up. Um, Fucking love that by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I think, I I think if you're looking for a lot of external motivators or things that, that, you know, someone's going to inject some emotion into the room, like you're going to look for a long time in Mm -hmm. pro sports, especially in pro hockey, because it's, it's, it's just, if you're not self-motivated, you're not, you're not going to last very long. So that part of it with Gallant is people get upset because it looks like he's not doing anything. It looks like he's not responding to the situation. He's not throwing a clipboard. He's not jamming (laughs) fingers and guys, he's not calling timeout and ripping guys on the bench. Um, But that's not his style. And I think the coaches that do do that last far shorter amount of time than the ones that don't, because players don't like to be shown up. You know, the one, the ones that have a lot of pride and do show are self-motivated think like, what the hell is this guy telling me, you know, yelling at me, embarrassing me in front of 20,000 people or on TV. Like, I don't want that. So, um, but the flip side is if the players do not respond to a coach who's more laid back, then it really looks bad because yeah. he isn't doing a whole lot to to turn the tide. And I think rosters and restrictions and salary cap and all those other little things that we tend to push to the side when the emotions come to the forefront and say, we do the, do something Twitter meme. There's not a lot to do. He's not, as he said, as I mentioned earlier, like he's not going to bench one guy because it's not one guy that's causing the problems. Um, And you can't make wholesale changes. You know, Johnny Johnny Brzezinski goes in for Ryan Carpenter tonight. That's I don't know what else you can do. There's not there's not a top six forward just hanging out in Hartford waiting for the call. Yeah. Um, You know, they've got Brennan Othman in the OHL, and maybe if they make it to April and somebody's still messing around, you know, somebody's still not showing what they need to show, then maybe when his OHL season is done, he can come here and jump in and light a fire, but there's just not a lot of movement. So it's either a trade coaching change, or you just sort of live with what you got. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and I understand that when it comes to fans, it's emotion coming out. It's not, no, you know, you talk somebody down a little bit and say, well, they can't do X, Y, and Z, you know, nobody that's ever been mad in the history of the world, whether it's your, with your folks or your kids or whatever, say like, you know what you should really do here is calm down and listen to my 10 tweet thread <laughs> like nobody wants to hear that <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> it's okay to be mad i mean it's frustrating to watch them not show enough emotion or you know after what truba does they get a goal the garden's all fired up and then they come out and truba hits a post and everybody just kind of sags right. because that was that was it that just took the air out of it and I, you know i don't know how you get it back and so i think with with Gallant, yeah it might it might end up costing him his job i think it did a little bit in vegas um where he didn't really respond to some changing situations in terms of the team and the 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 emotion within the team but uh, you know the fact that he's had this this sort of very public and unique track record of being fired in florida which was a complete mess from top to bottom down there the year that he got let go and then in vegas which i think was more of a preemptive strike by by uh the golden knights front office um yeah, he may end up taking the fall for this. I don't know if they lose tonight, if it'd be this week or next week or in a month, but um, but they do have to get themselves together. And if if it does come together, I don't think it's going to be anything demonstrative that he did. He's mm-hmm. he's presided over you know his way helped them get to a conference final uh, six yeah. months ago. So I don't know that he feels like he has to change a whole lot.
0: Okay, so that being said, this is perfect transition into my last question for you here. Yeah. You did mention. We are tight against the cap. We all know that that we are pretty cap-strap moving forward here. We got to pay Lafreniere, Keandre, and a few others. Um, but we do have a little flexibility here right now after the Reeves trade, and then as we get closer to this deadline, we'll get more and more. Um, but the team is trending downwards, as we said. Do you think Drury is looking into any potential moves right now to possibly bring someone in who can – you know help change this rangers narrative a little bit give them that extra boost or is it kind of just like you're going to sink or swim at this point until the deadline and then and then we'll figure it out from there
1: cody wants you to say tarasenko
2: oh no, no. <laughs> i don't think it's a forward uh, i think if there's if there's a, if there's a yeah, yeah a they have help. defense problems for sure if there's a help right now uh option on the market i can't even think of a, a left-handed defenseman who's cheap Carson enough I've been talking about him for years. I mean, nope. Se- Seattle's going oh. to be a top five team in the league this year. I don't know if they're giving <laughs> anybody up yet. Um, but I don't think it's like a John Klingberg or anything like that. I think they just – I think they want a lefty version of Justin Braun. I think they would just kill to have a 29-, 30-year-old – you know, <clears throat> it's easy to armchair quarterback this one, but if they had gone for Mark Giordano in the offseason when he – ended up going to Seattle and was available. Uh, I think a lot of their problems might've been solved in terms of their bottom pair. You know, he's, and you see the way he's flourishing in Toronto he's probably been their best defenseman this season, but that's, uh, and that's love loved this guy's eat. looking kind of good, huh? Yeah. But he doesn't really, he wouldn't really fit what they needed either. I think yeah. here, you know, I think yeah. they just, they want us, they want a stabilizer. They want a guy who's, who's reliable, who just every shift is the same. Right. Um, you know, I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think, frankly, even Mark Stahl would have been fine right now <laughs> uh, for 850, um, mm-hmm. just for what they needed. Because you look, I think, you know, this, you see Hayek and you see Jones and you see some flashes, but but they can't handle flashes. And I think with Truba right. having as, as many struggles as he's had five on five, you haven't seen enough, I think, from Keandre Miller so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you worry about Lindgren's health. He's missed, you know, he's been bounced in and out. You know, he's he's the toughest guy on the team by a long way, but. But there's still a potential for him to miss time. Um, I think that's the spot if you're looking for some instant help, where they could get somebody in here. And I think even a guy who's playing 15 or 16 minutes a night, you know, it, that would actually be something that that if they could find it, would really be a huge help to them. Just because yeah. it's been it's been a lot of juggling. I don't think Gallant would have broken up the Miller Troubadour pair if the, if they had somebody like that on that third pair to play with Schneider. Um, and even if this does work out well, I don't know that you're gonna be good in the long haul with Jacob Truba playing 15 or 16 minutes a night, as much as he struggled. um, I think he's still a guy that you want out there. And especially if he's going to fight two times a night, he's probably feeling relatively healthy compared to the beginning of the season. So um, yeah, if, if there's a move to be made right now, I would imagine it's for a left-handed defenseman. Who's someone who can kind of bring a little bit of calm to that, uh, that back end of the group and maybe kill some penalties and, and generally kind of, you know bring some maturity i think uh to a group that outside of the captain outside of a couple other guys could maybe use a little bit of it
0: they should uh hit up sanheim from philly <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i i philly's probably got some guys available i don't think him though They could probably get patrick nemeth back if he's improved at all but i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll go with my last one. And, you know, we kind of talked about it the last time you were on, you know, if the Rangers were going to come back in that series against the Penguins, who's going to be the one guy to step up. And, you know, we all think about that Jacob Truba hit on Crosby, which, you know, say what you want about that hit. We'll, we'll ignore it. We don't need to talk about the hit <laughs> specifically, but you know, I, I think sometimes you just need one player, one thing to turn your season around. You know, I think, you know, the Ottawa Senators the other night, they're, you know, Penalty kill leading to the Drew slap shot goal could be, you know, a season turning kind of play or momentum shift. If the Rangers are going to, you know, figure it out right now, who's going to be the one guy? I know you talked about Lafreniere a little bit. Igor could be another one, but, you know, could it even be like Adam Fox? Like, who is going to be the one guy to turn this thing around?
2: I don't know if Fox could be playing much better than he's been playing. Uh, you know, I think you, you look at some of his numbers. Um, and they're they're back to Norris Trophy level. You know, I, I feel like he'd have the same number of points as Eric Carlson if if guys could finish this year. Mm-hmm. He's really he's really been playing at an incredibly elite level. And I think the problem for Gallant too is that you don't want him playing twenty five to thirty a night yeah. this early in the year. So uh, I think the guy that could settle a lot of things into a lot of spots is probably Vincent Trocheck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he leads the league by a long way. I think he's had ten posts this year. I think the next guy has five. I think it's McDavid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, been a ton of bad luck you know he's still a decent face-off guy but i feel like the bad luck as a whole on the team that's turned their underlying game from good to not so good in the last few weeks has had the same effect on him that uh he was still doing a lot of he was contributing a lot in the first 17-18 games and then started to press a little bit and he seems to be getting out of what they need from him and and the main thing i think they need from him is he needs to find a way to to make it work with with Panarin. And, yeah. you know, when you thought about the options that Jury had in the off season, you had the guy that you knew well in Strom, who was asking for a very certain amount, five times five, whatever he got from Anaheim. And then you had Andrew Kopp, who was asking for a little bit more money, not much more term concerns about his injury history, totally get it. And then they go in a different direction and commit more money and more term to a guy who has had a very good career, but has never really been a guy to be in that that role with a superstar. He certainly played with very good players in Florida and Carolina, but he's never really needed to carry any sort of load for them. Uh, and I think that's been a tough adjustment for him. Like I said, he's he's not a super extroverted guy. He certainly loves to run his mouth on the ice, mm-hmm. but I think away from it, he's a lot like some of their veterans. He's very quiet. He's very reserved. I think they leave a lot of the the you know the demonstrative emotional stuff to Truba. And that's not really what this team needs right now. So I think it it could be a good time for him to step forward off the ice and say, look, you know, be a guy that speaks up. Maybe he's done it already. And on the ice to be a guy who accentuates his skill, accentuates what they need from that line, help bring Kravtsov a little bit into it. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that loves to stir shit up and, and get under people's yeah. skin. And that's, that's great, but that's not what this team needs from their from a guy that's playing on the line with with bread and mm-hmm. and especially with Kravsov. They need a guy who skill first, shoot first, um, you know. And and the hitting the posts. I, I don't know what you do about that to get that stuff out of your head, but but I feel like he's the he's kind of the linchpin guy that if he it clicks for him and it clicks with him and and Panarin, then everything else can fall into place and guys are not wondering. Well, maybe I should be up here because you know if you're a Lafreniere or a Kaka, why am I Getting 12 minutes a night when this guy all he does is hit the post and take faceoffs and yeah. he does nothing else. <laughs> yeah. and he's playing eight more minutes than me. So uh, if there's if there's a way to solve this without making any other changes, I, I, I'm looking to, to Trocheck to see if he's the guy mm-hmm. that can that can kind of turn the key for them. Yeah, it I, makes sense. I thought
1: you were going to say put Julian Gauthier on the first line. I'd them, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a Listen, Gauthier fan. If, if
2: there's a if there's a situation that's worked out perfectly for anybody on this team it's Julian Gauthier being a total afterthought in training camp where he mm-hmm. played his ass off didn't sulk when he went to Hartford and came back and nine minutes a night is the idea like, he's like <laughs> I don't know man he's, looked he's, good. he's got he's got the, this is the perfect amount of time to maximize what he can offer he seems to be a lot more confident yeah that when you can have a fourth line that's relatively the same night in and night out and not have to worry the way that they did last year where they were just ham and egging it all the way through the season.
1: Ham and um, eggs. I haven't heard that since my freshman year of college. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm old. It's, uh, I talk no, that's an old, old
1: saying. Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long time. Ham so, and eggs. Uh,
2: so, yeah, one less thing to worry about. We've certainly got plenty of concerns on this team higher up the roster, but if you don't have to worry about a Sammy Blay or a Julian Gauthier or whoever's in between them, then uh, then things are good.
1: Well, we want to thank you so much for stopping
2: yeah, in. Thanks, Arthur.
1: Big supporters of you. We love you. And thank you for being my Twitter dad as you self proclaimed.
2: it. <laughs> well, it won't keep me from chirping the hell out of you on there. Yeah. So uh, keep up the dumb tweets. and we'll, Every um, time we'll I get a DM know. from Arthur, you I will. shoot my pants.
0: <laughs>
2: All right. Thanks, All right, guys. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Arthur. Yeah.
1: We really want to thank our friend Arthur Staple for coming on. Last time he came on, everything turned around. So we were kind of hoping it be the same vibe this season. Right. Uh, just a great guy, and and you know, uh, a lot of good insight. And he knows the game; he's been around the game for such a long time. So, really fun talking to him.
0: Yeah, it was it was a great time. And uh, for some further context of uh, why we're making a joke at me at the beginning, I was like twenty <laughs> minutes late to our uh, to our interview because I was on the UPS line. I had to drop something off quickly, and it literally took forty five minutes. And it's mm-hmm. a block away from me. It was the craziest thing of all time. Um, but yeah, Arthur's accountability, accountability, um, Arthur's the man. And we have a huge, huge interview coming up next week. Um, you all know him, you all love him. So we're, uh, we're really excited to, uh, you know, to, uh, get you guys to listen to what he has to say next week. And, uh, we're not going to tell you who it is, but we can say it's a former Ranger. He is a former Ranger and, uh, definitely a fan favorite. So we're excited. Um, before we do go, I don't know why this is still on the screen
1: before we do go, let's just give our prediction for the blues game. Cause we are recording before it. And Aren't you fun- going tonight? Yeah, I'm going cool. Um, but it'll be fun when this comes out tomorrow to see who had a better prediction. I think probably me. So what do you think? I think five, three Rangers
0: tonight. you think we're dropping five goals against them? Did. Uh, has I mean,
1: been a fucking mess and the blues have let up three, like three plus. He got to start, right, right? He is starting.
0: I think. Okay. Um, honestly it's not a bad score you're right i i forgot that the blues have been doing that um i'm gonna say four i'm gonna say four three rangers oh really Type.
1: fucking good prediction man
0: <laughs> why wow, yours was five three
1: all right you just stole my stick
0: okay fine you know what because you were an asshole i'm gonna say defining rangers win shit goes down tonight four to one rangers get at me okay.
1: that's a better prediction. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. As always big one coming on Monday. We're going to drop it Monday morning Yep, uh, next week. So we love you guys. Thanks for listening.
0: Send it off. Cody LFGR baby.